that. Well, this morning, why don't you bow with me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for who you are, for what you have done. Thank you for this man of God and for the work you are doing through him. Thank you for those, God, that are blessed by him. We ask now for your, your visitation upon this service. And in a mighty way, Lord, speak to the hearts of those that will receive it. And let them know that, Lord, it is in times like these that we need to hear from a source other than opinions and subjects and conjectures, but from a word from on high. We ask that you guide us now, and we will be mindful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul was talking to Timothy, and, and he, he was talking to Timothy in that third chapter. And I'm not, he says to Timothy, uh, now, first of all, he said to him in a, a passage previous, he said to them, if you remind the people of these things, then you will be a good minister of God. Certain things he wanted them to be reminded of. But, and then he says in this third chapter, he says, this third chapter, 2 Timothy, the third chapter, uh, verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days, I want to just for a moment speak to you on pastoring in perilous times. Pastoring in perilous times. In the opening sentence of A Tale of Two Cities, there's a discourse that's puzzling, but yet I believe it applies to this age. In that story, Charles Dickens says, and he begins by saying, it was the best of times was the worst of time. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was a spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us and we had nothing before us. We were going directly to heaven and we were also going directly the other way. We hear all of this around us. We hear folks say we have never had it so good. Things are going great. And they may be right, but also there's a flip side to that. There are those who are wringing their hands and they're saying, and they're worrying, rightly worrying about our civilization that could collapse on its decaying moral infrastructure. We see so much going on in the past. And, and so, so what, is it that, what is it that we are to do? You know what I found out in the word of God in that, you know, God never called someone to lead unless there was something going on that only divine intervention can straighten out. Y'all got me? 
It, it, in other words, he, God called Moses because it was a situation that only something from on high can correct. God, listen, when God calls folks, he calls folks because things are in trouble. He calls them because people are in trouble. And he has to equip someone, as he says to Ezekiel, well, he looks for someone to stand in the gap. Do you know that? I, I, I discovered something. When God calls someone, first of all, he checks them out. I'm going to tell you how he checked out Moses. He checked out Moses by, first of all, finding out whether he cares. He saw Moses when he went out into the palace, and he saw him kill the Egyptian that was abusing the Israelite. He saw that Moses cared. Because he saw that Moses cared, he knew now he had to equip him to show him how to care. He took him on the backside of a mountain and then equipped him for the calling. And as he equipped him for the calling on the backside of the mountain, when he called him, Moses did answer. But now he has to check out Moses' courage. He checks out his courage by saying, go and talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Now here's Moses' reply, who am I to go talk to Pharaoh? And God says to him, don't you know that I will go with you. But where, where, where Moses ran into problem, not with his call, not with his care, not with his call, and not with his courage, he had a problem with his composure. That when he told, he, he allowed, he allowed the people, he allowed the people to cause him to act in a way that was displeasing to God. He was supposed to hit the rock. See, hit the rock one time because the rock was a type of Christ. So when Moses hit that rock twice, he messed up the story. <laughs> and when he messed up the story, then now he can't go into the kingdom. Now, a lot of people miss that. See, Christ, that rock was a type of Christ. Christ was only struck once. Moses hit the rock twice. You can't hit Christ twice. And so it, it is a matter of us understanding that God then calls those that will lead because they need to be led. You, you don't come to church because, you know, well, I just go and hear a good message. You come to church and you come because you need to be led. How many of you come because you need to be led? How many of you want to be led? I'm going to help you in a minute. Pastors oftentimes have a Difficult job. A pastor, they said, received a call from a church that offered him a salary that was four times what he was making at the church he was pastoring at. But being a devout man, a devout Christian, he spent a whole lot of time in prayer trying to discern what is it that God would have him to do. One day a friend met him, uh, met his son, met the pastor's son, and ask him, what is the pastor going to do? You know, we're waiting on him. He said, well, dad's praying, but mom's packing. <laughs> it's, it, it, is, it is always challenging to find out what is it that God wants you to do, especially when you are aware 
of the times that we're living in. I want you to understand that today we're living in perilous times. We're living in difficult times. And the blessing for me is I'm on both sides of the fence. I'm a pastor and I'm also a mayor, but that doesn't matter. You know what happens? They ask me, how can I do that? I say, it's all dealing with people. It's all dealing with people, and it's dealing with them based upon things that will make their lives better and helping them to understand what they can do to get out of what they're in. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is bad for us to not understand that we are in times where there has to be leadership. When I say leadership, leadership that actually knows direction but also knows God. Now, if you're not convinced these are perilous times, these are perilous times when man is wicked, corrupted, hardened, and sinful to his own nature. Times that we look around, man is not concerned with the truth. Man is coming up with his own means, his own method, his own things that he's doing. We're living in perilous times when man has unnatural self-love. He loves himself more than he loves God. The core of the whole thing is that man is narcissistic. He serves himself. Man is covetous. He wants more and more stuff. Man is boastful. Man is blasphemous. Man does a whole lot of things. Man and children have become disobedient to their parents. Parents are not respectful of their children. And so we see a lot of things going on that cause for us to wonder, who's going to deliver? Who's, where's the answer? You know, I ask folks sometimes, you come into church and I ask at Corner Neal, I say, you know, you're, you're here. If you go to the store, you go there for something. When you go to a restaurant, you sit down, you pick up a menu, and you're looking for something. I, sh- I share with the church, I say, you know what you have to do? The reason you often don't find anything when you come to church is because you didn't come looking for nothing. You come to see how well the choir sing and how the preacher preach, and then you comment on those two things. But what were you looking for for you? Where's the flaw in your life that you need God to address? You see, a lot of times, we don't get help because we wasn't looking for help. Uh, If we come to the point to know that there is imperfection in me, there's some things in me that's not real. Now, let me tell you something. There's things in life that's real and things that are unreal. And the one thing you got to understand about things that are real, whatever is real cannot be threatened. Real cannot be threatened, and it has no opposite. It's like truth. Truth has no opposite. Truth has no progression. Truth is stable. It has no flip side. It either it is or it's not. You see, it's either truth or it's not. But the thing is, our truth is imperfect. What makes our truth imperfect is because there's two truths. There's natural truth, and there's divine truth. 
You understand? Natural truth is, let me, let me make a picture for natural truth. If you have metal, and that's a fact, you look at it, that's natural truth. But if you put a magnet in front of that metal, and that magnet, that metal is pulled by that magnetism, that's spiritual truth. Now, you see the natural truth. You only see what the spiritual truth did to the natural truth. And this is what God wants to happen in our lives. We see some things that are factual, but facts is not always true. I need to understand then what is the truth of life that God would have me to live so that I become a better person. What we can do in life, brothers and sisters, is we can attend church all our lives and get no better. You know what? I, 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 I share... I tell, I tell folks, I say, you know, you need to write a list of what you need God to do in your life. How many, how many got a list for God? Y'all have a list? Of what God needs to do in your life. Things that need correction. We become, baby, y'all don't mind if I talk a minute. You know, I've been pastoring 33 years, right? I know folks. I know people. And you know what happens? We get comfortable in our religion. We stop changing after we get saved. And that's why God called those that would challenge your status quo. Challenge where you are stationed. If we're living in perilous times, how do you pass the people that's going through? What do you tell them? You can't tell them it's all right when it's not all right. The faithful minister has to be prepared to stand against the increasingly evident display of corruption that's being unleashed on our society. It's being turned loose on us. Ministry is guaranteed to be tough business. It can make you cry sometimes. It can cause you to go through a whole lot of things in life. But when God calls someone to minister, he calls someone, even though they're wounded, to heal. What makes us appreciate a minister of God to come to that point to understand what it is that, why is it that I should appreciate Someone that watches over my soul. Well, let me tell you, it, is, it, is, it, it comes to this point where it was a story told by in the, Henry Noyan in his, in his book, The Wounded Healer. He was speaking of someone looking for the Messiah. And he asked, where can I find the Messiah? He said, you'll find him sitting at the gate. He says, what is he doing? He's binding his wounds. 
And as he's binding his wounds, every once in a while he stops binding his wound and he binds the wounds of whoever is going through the gate. Not that he's not wounded, but he stops binding his own wounds because he's called to bind the wounds of others that are hurting. And because of that, he's called a wounded healer. Today we sit and we are, we are, we, we, we are, we are in some situations today with, that calls for us to be assured of the fact that that person that is leading us is being led. That God has his hand on his life. And I am profoundly aware, as Paul was sharing with Timothy, that these are perilous times that we're living in. And we are in perilous times. We're in dangerous times. We're in situations where I can look and I can see and I can observe and it makes me understand something. God has called me to rearrange my preaching. All the years that I was preaching, I was, I was about, you know, trying to get people excited, get people motivated. But the thing is, that doesn't cause them to pay attention to what's going on. They don't pay attention to what's real, what's painful. How do I get through the pains that I'm going through in life? What am I going to do with the situation that I'm encountering? People are going through foreclosures, and they're sitting right up in our churches. People are going through divorces, and they're sitting right up in our churches. People are losing their jobs, and they're sitting right up in our churches. And they're there each Sunday morning. Does it mean then, so what message do you preach to people that's living in perilous times? Is it going to help them to leave? It's one thing to say, I believe in God. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. You got to believe when it's time to believe it. You see, we can say we believe a whole lot of stuff, but when it's time to believe it, we show that we believe something else. It is, it is there where, where we come and I have to realize and you have to realize that what we're going through is real. The trouble we are encountering is real. Our nation is not going to get better. God has already promised us that. That we are in difficult times. Our faith is going to have to kick in for us to endure what's going to be going on. And the message has to change. When situations change, the message has to change. It has to meet the people where they are. And where are we? We have been preached into, I would say, excitement a long time. But it's not excitement that's going to deliver us. You know, the power of a message is when they come out of the upper room and when they stepped out, you know the question they asked them? What went on in that upper room? You know why they asked them that question? They went in one way and they came out another. They went in one way and they came out another way. How did they come out? Spurgeon says that people have to stop passing by our churches, treating them like foul funguses clouding up the community. 
but realizing that if I go inside, I can probably get a breakthrough. Something can happen in my life. But it's like learning about life is not the same as religion. Learning about life is learning about God and learning about what you're going through and learning about how God can bring you through. It is, it is there where God was looking for a man to stand in the gap, looking for someone to lead the children out of Israel, looking for someone any time God called someone to lead. People were going through. They were not in a comfort zone. They were struggling. They had pain going on in their lives. They had situations that only God can bring them out. And you know, the only way you and I can be helped is realizing that we're in a situation that I need to hear from God if I'm going to come out. Because if I feel as though I can come out on my own, I don't need God. If I can figure it out on my own, I don't need God. I need God when I know that I'm up against it and I cannot make it on my own. I, I need God. And that's why when I come, now I'm listening. I'm listening for how is it that God is going to give me release from what I'm going through. I'm listening. I need to hear what God has to say to me. The whole dynamics of our approach as these times become worse and worse is to find out what is God saying in this day? What is God saying today when we look at everything that's going on? And how is he challenging me to change my ways? Oftentimes, we have not made any change in our way since the time we got saved. The Bible says this. The Bible says, I must transform my mind. Because if I don't change my mind, I'm not going to change my ways. So I got to change my mind. I got to put something in my mind that will bring me to a point where God can make that difference in my life that needs to be. So, so who's going to do that? Is that person that God calls to lead? Is that person that you call or that you choose to be your spiritual leader? That you choose to guide and choose to lead you? Do you know it is the path to eternity because what you believe about what you do is going to determine where you're going to spend eternity? It's serious business. I don't think we find or figured out how serious it is. It really is. It's serious to the point that when all of this is over, that that's where I'm going to spend eternity. And I need anything that's in my way to be moved. And I need someone called by God to show me how to do that. Everybody that stands is not called. There's a lot of excitement going on out there. There's a lot of excitement going on out there, but, you know, I'm a good discerner. I look and I see, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid for what I see. 
I'm afraid that I look and I see that sometimes people don't really love God. They talk about God. But when it's time to act in behalf of God, it's a whole different situation. I don't just say this at the fountain. I say this at Cornelia. We need, I know a lot of preachers. I know a lot of pastors, a lot. I have to say, God has blessed the fountain. Amen. And I try to take every opportunity to say what's real. Make sure if God gives you something that's ushering you into eternity, make sure you, can, make sure you understand what's urgent and what's important. You understand? When you're on a plane and on a flight and you're going somewhere and they say, if, if, if the oxygen level drops, put the mask on yourself first if you got a child and then put it on the child later. The child is urgent. You're important. If you put it on the child first and you fall out, the child has no care beyond that. Understanding this, and that is that if God blesses you and you believe that you have someone that God has called to lead you safely into eternity, that person is important. Everything else is urgent. The building is urgent. The ministries are urgent. All of that's urgent. But nothing is urgent when what is important is gone. When what is important is gone, what's urgent? Nothing. Caring for what's important is more critical than handling what's urgent. Y'all got that? Handling what's urgent should not supersede taking care of what's important. Because it's that that's important that determines what's urgent. It is, it is, it is there where brothers and sisters, I, I, I stop mine, even though it's pastor's anniversary, Yep, and believe me, God, that's why, you know what God says? First of all, he says, don't make their work hard because that's not profitable for you. Then he also says, count them worthy of double honor, they that labor in the word. Why does God then single out these individuals for extra care? Because of the burden of the work on their shoulders. You know what Moses said leading those people across the wilderness? He said, Lord, these people are about to kill me. That way you know what he said. These people are about to kill. Because people, they'll benefit. Pastors are called to deal with some of the most critical things in life. Birth and death. Some of the best things in life. 
when someone dies, the pastor, they want him there. In birth, they want the pastor to bless. In marriage, they want the pastor to death. When they're getting ready to they want a divorce, they want to be counseled by the pastor. They want all of these things. But when it's time to appreciate, why does he deserve that? Why? You didn't ask that when you had a need. I know, I know. I know, those are not, I'm, I, I, I'm, listen, I always preach myself out of amens. You know, because you got to deal with what's real. And when I say what's real can't be threatened, it is, it is, it is there. If you're going to say, I'm going to celebrate, I looked at it, we're going to celebrate our pastor's anniversary. Okay. How are you going to do that? I can come up here and, you know, get everybody jumping and shouting, but is that celebrating the pastor's anniversary? Celebrate his importance. Uh, celebrate him as a gift from God. You know what the Lord says? The Lord made gifts to the church. He made men into gifts. And we ought to take care of those gifts. A pastor is a gift from God to the church. And you ought to take care of the gift. It, 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 it builds and it's only good for you. It's only good for you in the long run. Seeing and knowing some of the things that I see and know what's coming down the pipe and what's going on, we need a God that is active, a God that's involved in our lives, and someone to tell us how to get that God involved. And that's that's what God called ministers to lead us, to guide us. And that's why Paul was constantly admonishing Timothy and telling Timothy how to minister, how to be a good minister, what to avoid, what he'll have to go through, endure hardness as a good soldier. There's pain that comes, disappointment. There are those that will come against you. But you have to keep focused throughout that whole ordeal. Not as Superman, but as human, just like everybody else. And still put on a face that says to those that come, I got confidence that God's going to help you. Sometimes even at the expense when our own confidence is beginning to fade. But you got to make sure that you encourage others when nobody else is encouraging you. There's no way, that the best way you can have a strong church is to build yourself a strong pastor. God sent him, but you can help edify him, build him up.
it is there that that encouragement is needed. There that I know, being one myself, just a phone call to say, we're praying for you. Not a long talk. We get enough long talks. That's a phone call to say, listen, we're praying for you. Because we recognize how important you are to our lives. It's, it's there. There are some people in my life that I still, I still thank God for. I'm here today because of men like Pastor Baskin and Pastor Coates and Dr. Evans. When I went out, they, 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 they planted something in my life. I'm going to always appreciate them. I'm all, I always respond to them because my life is what it is because they were who they were in God. When you find somebody that's in God, that's serving God, stick with them because they can add something to your life. They can make your life better. They can give you directions that you can't find nowhere else. And some people God put in your life, they're there for a reason. That'll help you to become more than you can ever be on your own. Amen. They can help you find more than you can ever find on your own. And so today, I stopped by to just say, if this is appreciating your pastor, and this is a time where we then are going through difficult times, the only answer you have, the government don't have an answer to your problems. Only God's got the answer. And he's not going to give it to you directly. He'll give it to the one he's called to lead you. I'm going to close and tell this, and that is that God, when God called Moses, he told him, I'm taking you to a land of milk and honey. So he allowed him, while he was in Egypt, to be inspired by milk and honey. What he didn't tell Moses was about the wilderness. He didn't tell him about the Red Sea. He didn't tell him about the snakes. He didn't tell him about the rebellious people. Before, you even, before he even began... You got to be encouraged by where you're going. So God had to inspire him on where he was going. And he had to inspire the people on where they were going. So God don't let you see the wilderness. Just from Egypt to Canaan. But then once you step out there. Then you begin to end. But now here's, here's the thing. Same thing when you give your life to Christ. Only thing you see is earth and heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. You see earth and heaven. But you don't see everything you have to go through on your way to heaven. You don't see the people that's going to get in your way, the circumstances that's going to challenge you, all of those things. You don't see that. God don't want you to, he wants you to be so focused on where you're going until you are not concerned about what you're going through. 
Because once you get to being focused on what you're going through, it's a possibility you'll never get to where you're going because what you're going through will consume you. So you've got to make sure that what you are doing is hooked up to where you are going and not based on what's going on around you. Everybody's got clouds on their horizon, but you've got to focus on where God is leading you so you do not become distracted by things going on all around you because they're going to go on. People, friends are going to walk out. Situations are going to occur that causes you to be discouraged. But you have to hold on. I don't care what's going on. Because you know what God does? God knows who you are. But God only allows you to see who you are in the storm. Things only get better after they've been bad. Y'all ain't hear that, right? Things only get better after they've been bad. Other saying, so what happens is that you know what God does with wilderness experiences? God sets back. There's no need of praying when you're going through. There's no need of fasting. I'm not, when I say no need of praying, yeah, you pray, but you can't pray for the thing to move. Because the thing's not going to move. You can fast all you want. Things are not going to move. Because God is watching your development. He's watching how you develop. In a, see, you can't develop when things are going well. You can't listen. I'm going to tell you something. Folks said in church, you can tell the folks that ain't going through nothing right then. They ain't going through nothing. Bank account good. Refrigerator full. Car got a tank full of gas. Children straight. They, you know, you can tell them because they sit in church and the only thing they do is fold their arms and nod. You hear a good message, they go, they ain't going through yet. See, so they feel good. They, they look at everybody and they wonder. They see that other person over in the corner, that person far in the corner. They wonder what's going on. They, they see them jumping and turning around and sometimes rolling on the ground. You Listen, you have to understand something. They at that time, they where you're going to be later. You better take notes. Don't just take notes of everybody that's going, that's doing all right. Watch them. See, you got to watch the people that's crying because those tears are on your horizon. You got to watch the people that are going through because going through is on your agenda. You got to watch the people that are burdened because burdens are on your agenda. Don't laugh at folks that's crying. Don't pick at folks that's burdened. Because brothers and sisters, you got... See, you can't serve God with pride. You got to get up. You know why I couldn't hold my hands up and serve God when I first come to church? I used to be one of the boys. 
it was not cool to be holding your hand up to my praise the Lord. Because I was wondering who's going to be looking. But you know what? Right now, I don't care who's looking. You wasn't giving me nothing when you say you like me. Somebody get caught <laughs> Now you say you don't like me? It don't matter. I wasn't getting nothing either way. It is a matter of knowing that you do what you do because you know who's going to bring you through. Somewhere in life, you got to understand something. That a preacher is called to encourage you. He's, he can't preach you out of your storm. He can preach you through your storm. Hallelujah! Storms don't stop because you go to church. Storms equip you to make sure that whatever comes... God knows that there are higher mountains to climb and deeper valleys to endure. So every little trial is an incremental growth process for the bigger trials ahead. Let me, let, y'all, can I say this? Let me tell you this. God's blessings for you. You don't need to pray for blessing. Every blessing that God has for you was put in trust at the time of your salvation. Like a child that you put money in trust for and you release it as they are mature enough to handle it, every blessing you have in trust that when God see the level of your obedience and your ability to handle the blessing, you don't have to ask for it. He automatically releases it. Somebody give God a hand clap. He will automatically release your blessing because your obedience has reached the level of maturity that you can handle it. And until you can handle it, you can pray, you can fast, you can do all those other things. But God only released blessings at the level of your obedience. You're waiting for a blessing? Start obeying God. You're waiting for a blessing? Stop doing what you've been doing and start doing what God has called you to do. And watch blessings open. Watch doors open. Some of you have been waiting for blessing for years and years, but you're hard-headed. You know what God said? When you obey me, if you do this, then I'll do this. You don't have to ask God to do nothing to bless you. He's waiting for you to do something to open up your blessing. It's waiting for you. And when you act, then, you know what? Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the latter part, says that such time we ought to be teachers, you still need to be taught. But it's that sixth chapter that's most important. Leaving the principles and go on to maturity. Leaving the principles and go on to maturity. Leaving the principle. You got to stop just talking about Jesus. 
just talking about the Holy Spirit. You got to start living in the light of what you have learned. Because if you don't live it, you can find some of the meanest people in the world in church. If, but see, you know what, you know what get rid of that? When you find out that God is raining blessings down on you, I listen, I'd be blessed so much I don't have time to worry about what's going on around me. I seek to, and all the years I've been in the Lord, I still have levels of obedience that I need to act on. And I'm acting on my obedience. I am responsible for the people that God put in my charge. I don't care what they're going. You can't comfort people in what they're going through and telling them when God's going to bring them out because you don't know. You must let them know this, though, that God don't have you nowhere. If you're his child, that he's not there with you. And when you come out of it, you're going to be better than you were when you went into it. But you got to go through it in a way that approve that God, that find God's approval. Because God brings people out. He don't just, if you're a Christian, you're not into anything that God haven't put you in. But he's waiting for your conversion. He's waiting for you to change. Obey God. Not just where you want to obey him. You know you got to obey him in your life. But you also got to obey him in the area of that person that he sends to lead you. First of all, you got to leave him alone. <laughs> you know what he said? Because he said that's not profitable for you. All right? Because you know what he's doing? He's watching over your soul. Right? He's watching over your soul. Yo, we, don't, we don't often, uh, we don't preach our own help in church because folks say we're blowing our own horn. Well, God give us permission. He put it in the Word. He give us permission. And that's why people don't often want to care for the shepherd or under-shepherd because they don't hear enough messages on how to do it. You see? They just watch and see other folks doing it, and they don't hear messages on how to care for a pastor. They don't hear those messages. They do it ad hoc. They just they watch and see how other folks do it, and they mimic. But what does God say? How do you care for the one that's caring for your soul? Think God left that up to us? No, because you'll starve somebody out. How do, how do, I don't believe I said that. Really. Listen, how do you care for someone that's caring for your soul? You ever thought of that? We appre- I appreciate 911. I'm closing. If you got an emergency, how many appreciate 911? 211. A lot of people don't know about 211. 
You're going through? 211. Can't pay your light bill. Out in the street. Boom, boom. Call 211. You let them know your problem, they help you out. I appreciate 211. They got 311 out there. All these are numbers that when you're going through, all you got to do is call them. And they are going to give you whatever assistance they have. What about when you're going through life problems? Who do you appreciate? Who do you, who do you call in times of distress? You need it, right? How many you need it? Who do you call when you need marriage counseling? Who do you call when there's death in your family? Who do you call, y'all feeling me? Who do you call when your son and, or your daughter's in trouble? Who do you call? Who do you call when you're sick and the doctor say, as the old song said, you can't get well? Who do you call? Huh? Who you call? You don't call a friend. Friend can't do nothing. You need to call somebody that knows somebody greater than anybody else you know. And you know why it is? That's why God put these ordained folks in your life so that when you can't call 911, 211, 311 that don't have answers, you can call the number at your local church and the person God has put to watch over your soul. He'll come with an answer from God that won't necessarily move the problem, but will put you in a position to conquer whatever you're going through. That's the what God does. We can't promise miracles every time we come. We can't promise that. We can promise you this, that if God said it, he is going to perform it. We can't tell you what time he's going to do it. God's going to do it. Amen. Appreciate you, Pastor. He's watching over your soul. Give God a big hand clap of praise. Amen. Why don't you bow with us? Heavenly Father, I, I, I understand, God. I understand.